Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. It is the Christmas season, y'all. Oh my word, what a year. How many of you are just excited for Christmas and ready for the holidays and all of that? <laughs> okay, all right, good. So, some of us, okay. How many of you are like dreading it a little bit? Like, oh, this is yeah, the schedule and everything. It's, uh, it's a good season and we're gonna jump into a series today that I think is really gonna help us position our hearts to really enjoy this season and to enjoy Christ as the center of this season. But to get us in the mood for this, I wanted to give you some extremely spiritual impartation this morning to, to prepare your hearts for this holiday season. The first of these is this. Thank goodness you're home. The Christmas tree fainted. Christmas tree. Who's going to try it? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Cody. <laughs> I don't know if you're supposed to admit that. All right, next one. If Mary had baby Jesus and Jesus is the Lamb of God, then Mary really did have a little lamb. <laughs> just think about it. It'll just blow your mind. Okay, next one. Oh, this was great. Drummer boy coming to bring his gift to Jesus. I appreciate the thought, but I just got Jesus to sleep. <laughs> Anybody ever think about that when you sing that song? You're like, but... He's a baby. Did he like the? I mean, with the little drummer boy playing and Jesus over there screaming his head off, you know, and the shh, shh, yeah, be nice, shh, you know, who knows? And then, okay, just to be perfectly clear, these gifts are for your birthday and Christmas. <laughs> very, very important, very important. Okay, now we're ready for the holiday season. We're going to jump into a series that we're going to call Glory to the King. Glory to the King. And uh, I'm really excited about this series because there is a lot of distraction around this time of year, but it's also an incredible opportunity for us to really center in on the reason for the season, but also to focus in on what God wa really wants to speak to us in this season and how we can grow closer to him in this season. You know, as I look at um, the Bible there's these moments in time where God invades people's world, these kairos moments, that are met with worship. All kinds of, of, of variation of, of these. Let me, let me give you some examples of these, right? And I'm not going to do all these because there's, there's a bunch. Um, when the path of obedience gets difficult, but God's will is clear, in the book of Genesis and in Matthew, there was worship. Whenever we become aware of God's actions to protect us, there's a response of worship, Exodus 12. At moments of divine judgment, when we're walking through a disciplined situation in our life, there still, in the book of Numbers, is a response of worship. At times of personal sacrifice, where there's something in life that we have to lay down, there is a response of worship. At times of personal failure, mutual victory in our life, it is a moment for worship. There's a bunch of these different things that, that when we think about, there's opportunities all the time around us to respond from a place of worship. Worship. In every situation. There's not one place, one time, one situation that's exempt. But we always can respond with worship. 
We're going to look at three different um, groups of people, four different people, but three different groups of people, to look at their responses of worship to the hearing of the coming of Christ. Because here's the thing that I recognize for us. Whenever we hear about the coming of Christ, it should spark and usher up in us worship. That should be our only response, right? I mean, would you agree? When we hear about Christ, when we hear that he's our savior and we hear that everything he's done, our only natural response is to worship. But the three different settings we're gonna be looking at, we're gonna that dedication on the eighth day, their responses of worship. And then finally, we're gonna look at the shepherds and their response of worship that they had at the hearing of the coming of Christ. Three different settings that we're gonna look at over the next couple of days. And each one of these is fascinating because as we're gonna dig into today with Mary, each one of these responses of worship were different because the lyrics were specific to the experience that those people were having around who Jesus was. Mary's song we're going to look at, and it was very, very specific because of what the angel had said to her and how she experienced that. Simeon and Anna and the shepherds, all the same thing. It's just this idea that, that they responded differently. They had specific worship. It wasn't just a general thing, but each one of them responded with their own specific heart of worship that was brought out in the lyrics that they sang to him. Now, this is a really, really cool example for us because in these situations and in these seasons of life, you see, it's one thing to sing the words that are up here on the screen on a Sunday morning. But just like Ellie was saying, it's a very different thing to let there be a well of worship that comes out of you, that the words match with what God is doing in your life and the situation you're in, and it brings a genuineness and an authenticity to your worship and a depth to your worship that couldn't come any other way. It doesn't mean that singing songs on a Sunday morning is bad because our hearts resonate with the words that are being sung, right? We know that. That's why we worship here in a corporate sense. But even more so is for us to understand, if I'm in the middle of fighting some sort of a situation, I better let that fuel my worship. I, I had better dig down and find a place where inside of me it resonates with the moment of grief, the moment of pain, the moment of confusion that I'm in, and I better let that empower my worship up to the Lord. It's specific. It's time we were created to worship. Isaiah 43 says this, I will say to the north, this is God speaking, give them up and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the ends of the earth. And this is the important key. Everyone who bears my name and is created for what? My glory. I have formed them. Indeed, I have made them. You were made to glorify God. In how you live, in how you talk, in how you, you speak, in how you worship, you were created to bring him glory. Which means this, that when we stifle our worship, we're stifling the very purpose for which we were created for. You know, worship can be kind of intense, but I can't carry a tune. A lot of people can't carry a tune. But do you know that to the ears of, of God, that doesn't matter. Because remember, 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 he created you for worship. 
which means he created you the way you are, and when you express worship back to him, it blesses his heart. It doesn't matter what you sound like. Now, we're kind of thankful that the people that can sing can sing up here on stage. Like that's, that's kind of a good thing. But we all can bring this sacrifice of praise to God. So our fundamental purpose is to bring glory to God in every situation. These three situations, these three group of people that we are looking at, chose to worship no matter what. They chose to worship. It was a choice. And their situation did not determine their response. We're going to dig into Mary today. She had an insane situation but it did not dictate her worship. For us, it's the same. You might be walking through the darkest time in your life right now, but it doesn't need to dictate your worship. It doesn't need to dictate your worship. So here's the key of the series. In every situation, we can choose to worship. We can choose to worship. Now Mary, an amazing, incredible lady. I wanna read a chunk of scripture to give you context for the story that we're going to be talking about today, and then we'll unpack it. You guys good? Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering, what's coming next? (laughs) Then the angel told her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. What a cool message. What a cool message. Can I just tell that over you today? You have found favor with God. Because of Jesus Christ and because of the sacrifice of the cross, because he went and took your punishment and your judgment on his shoulders when he died on the cross, he bore your shame and he died and when he rose, he conquered it again. And because of that, you have favor with God. Isn't that cool? You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. But you have it freely. Okay, don't preach, read. Got it. Now, Listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I've never had sexual relations with a man? And the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and therefore the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And just, just imagine that you're Mary, okay? This is a lot to take in. You're already, between the ages of 13 and 16 years old, betrothed to be married to a man that is much older than you are. And you are going to immediately start bearing children, You're immediately going to start serving him. You're immediately, you're shifting from this girl to this woman in like one step, right? That that in and of itself is a lot to swallow and process, right? And then an angel shows up, like like an angel, right? 
And I just love the fact that angels, the first thing they always say is don't be afraid. Like, that does any good. You know? If you see an angel, don't be afraid. Too late, you know? Gonna have to go change my shorts. Thanks a lot. She saw an angel. But then what does the angel say? Hey, you're gonna have a baby that she was betrothed to Joseph, which means, according to the culture, if, her, if she was to get pregnant by Joseph during the betrothal time before the marriage, that's fine. That's fine. It was actually cultural that they were allowed to do that. The problem comes because Joseph wasn't the dad. She would have faced rejection and punishment, including being stoned. Think about this for a second. An angel says, hey, you're going to have a baby, and, it, and it's not going to be Joseph. There's a lot of fear in that statement right there. There's a lot of fear wrapped up. But then it goes on. You're going to have a baby. It's not going to be with your husband. Well, who's going to be the dad? The Holy Spirit. How does that... No, don't ask that question. It's, just, it's fine. It's fine. It just... How does that... What? And then to top it all off, who is this baby going to be? Mary God. How would you respond? I'll tell you how. Sarah responded. She laughed. That's impossible. But Mary responded very differently. You see, there's a lot of things in our life that can rob our worship. There's a lot of things that can be potential excuses for our worship or for, or for not worshiping excuses for, for drawing our worship away from the Lord. A lot of things that, that have in life. How many of you know that you have some things in your life right now that would have the potential to draw your worship away from the Lord? And I would say that we even face things that we could use as excuses of why we wouldn't worship. I don't see God doing the things that I believe he's gonna do. I don't see him coming through and providing in the way that I think he's going to provide. I don't see the evidence of the physical feeling and emotion of the presence of God. All things that could steal our worship. But also, this time of year, with the busyness, with the craziness, with the, the worry, with all the questions, with all the parties, it's all this that has this option and this potential to just bring our worship right here where it gets off God. Now, I'm going to throw a word out here. And, and hear it with love and grace and the conviction that I felt as well. It's called idolatry. Be encouraged. <laughs> Anytime worship that is meant for him goes anywhere else, whether it's a good thing that we just focus on too much or it's a worry and a concern and a fear that we focus on, that has become an idol. This season has a lot of idols. Wouldn't you agree? A lot of things that can get us focused on the wrong thing. But this is an opportunity for us to refocus. My prayer for this series is that we use this as an opportunity to say, I think in my life there's a few little areas 
that maybe I've started looking at too much and maybe too much of my focus is there. And dare I say it, I would even use the word that maybe my worship has been robbed from God to focus on that a little bit because it's just this massive thing that I've been focusing on. My prayer is that God illuminates that in our lives so that we can refocus and put it back on him. And this is a good thing for us to do. And it's not a slam, like how dare you possibly allow yourself to get busy with other things? That's not it, because we all do it. (laughs) It's simply an invitation, a gentle invitation by the Father to say, hey, hey, come back, come back, recenter, refocus, jump back in here with me. That's simply what this season is. Now, you guys okay? Okay, I used the I word, and you know, that's always a fun one. Idolatry. I didn't use idolatry. We could go into that one too. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Four thieves of worship. Think of your notes. The message. She was going to step into it, and, and depending on how Joseph was going to respond, it was like an automatic rejection with punishment and shame and being outcast and being cast away and discarded because of everything that she'd done and being called promiscuous and all of these things. It was an automatic rejection that she was invited into in this moment. We, in our lives, I think, face a lot of moments of rejection. Some of these would be things where we put it on ourselves to believe that there is a point in our lives where we've gone too far and we will experience the rejection of God. And we believe that if I live my life a certain way, at some point, it's, it's just, it's, it's too bad. And, I'm, and God's just going to reject me and turn his hand against me. Not true. Not true. You will never be rejected by the Father. Never be rejected by the Father. But equally so, I think a lot of us experience times where we, family members, it's situations, and you find yourself ostracized for whatever reason, and you find yourself rejected by people. Some of that is just simply because of the way you live your life. Because I have a newsflash for you. My Bible says in John 15 that we're all going to be rejected because of Christ. Rejection is a part of life, but it does not have to steal our worship. For Mary, she was facing rejection, but it did not stop what she had to step into. I also think this is really beautiful because God, when he looked at Mary, he chose a, an ordinary little girl that was really, really special because of a couple of reasons, and we're going to get into those. But one of the things I find so cool about Mary, she faced rejection and willingly stepped into it. When she was raising his son, that she would say, hey, by the way, by the way, Jesus, you're going to be rejected in life, and that's okay. Because that's the point of why you're here. And God's bigger than the rejection. And God's bigger than the shame. And then God's bigger than being outcast. And you're going to feel this, but I'm telling you right now, her speaking to her son, you can do this. God knew I can trust this lady to help raise Jesus into this person who would respond to the potential rejection, to the certain rejection that's there. Now, I face this one a lot because for me personally, my biggest, biggest hang up is I'm a people pleaser 
and it's fearing the rejection of people because I don't perform the right way. That's, that's, that's mine. And so when I think about rejection, and I think about the idea of, of how real this is in our lives, I have to sit there and say, okay, so this is what I'm facing, but this is how Mary responded. And I have to come back to this ground, foundational place of saying it does not matter. But what matters is my response to God in the middle of all of it. So rejection, rejection. The second one is fear. Fear. In verse 29. <laughs> verse 29. But she was deeply troubled by the statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. There was fear, fear about what was going to go on, fear of the rejection, fear of what was going to happen as she walked down this thing. She was fear. Anybody in here ever faced a little bit of fear before? We face fear of all kinds of things, right? We face fear of judgment. In our relationship with God, we face fear of judgment. We face fear of, of, of things that are going to happen to us. We, we, we face these things. We wrestle with these things. We face fear of failure. I think we've all been there at times where we face this thing that's like, if I step into this, I'm going to fail. You're not going to fail, but the fear of failing is, the, is the, the crippling thing that will keep you from stepping out and doing something. Or what about this? Fear of stepping out into what God has. Maybe it's the right thing, but it's still fear to step out into it, not knowing what it's fully going to look like. I imagine that Mary in that moment had so much fear about what was going to happen. And even though she believed that this was God speaking to her through Gabriel and that this was the word of the Lord to her, this was the instruction for her, I believe that she had fear to say, I'm going to do this, like I'm going to obey, but I'm really, really scared of what's going to happen. Can I tell you something? That is okay. It is okay to sit in this moment of wrestling and not knowing what it's going to be like when you step into something and obey what God's called you to do. But fear is what the enemy uses to cripple you and debilitate you to not step forward into what God has. So this is the thing we have to, 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 to gauge. John Allen was a, uh, a Marine four-star general, worked at NATO, and he said this, that fear of success can be just as crippling as he worked on the light bulb a thousand times that were unsuccessful before he created the light bulb. A thousand times. What if stepping into something means maybe it's not going to be perfect the first time? Maybe you're not going to have all the answers. Maybe there's a lot of question marks. But we can still step in and we can still obey, and we can still worship. The third thing, third thing, <laughs> lack, lack. In verse 34, Mary speaks to the angel and says, how can this be? How can this be? I, I, I've never had sexual relations with a man. How, how can this be? I want to tell you this, that when we focus on what we don't have, we forget all that we do have in Christ. God is the provider for all of our needs, but he is. He is. 
He provides everything that we need. The natural lack of provision can be debilitating. When you look at your life and you look at your bank account and you look at your cash flow and all of this, it can just be debilitating because there's lack. <laughs> there's more bills than there is money. What are we supposed to do, right? Maybe it's in your own life with your energy and your, your strength. There's just, I don't have enough of me to be able to make it through the day. Anybody else feel like that? You get done at the end of the night, crawl into bed, and you're like, I got nothing left, right? Well, there's lack. We experience this lack in our life. But if lack can steal our worship because it gets us to believe this, Lack tells us that God can't and won't provide. Lack, if we focus on the lack versus focusing on what God has done, Mary faced impossibility. How can this be? How can this be? This is impossible by human standards, by all stretch of a natural imagination. This is impossible. Well, impossibility is the sweet spot for God to be able to work. Whatever you're facing in your life, impossible situations are where God gets to show off. Now, now, now here's the thing, is that it doesn't always look like we want. But it's always what he wants. Now to each of these, I'm going to keep going so that I can get through my notes, because this is all really good stuff. To each of these potential thieves of worship, God has an answer for Mary for every single one of them. For the first one, he promises favor for rejection. You're not rejected. You're favored. You're favored. For fear, he promises comfort. Do not be afraid. Why? Why? Because I'm with you. But, but look, at, look at the situation. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Lift your eyes off the storm and allow him to focus on him because he's with you. The next one, provision for lack. How, how is this baby going to be born? The Holy Spirit is going to do it. I, I, I just, I don't understand. There's just, there's this, in the natural, this doesn't make sense. The Holy Spirit will do it. The Holy Spirit will do it. In your life, if you're facing a situation in your life right now where there's lack, I want you to believe that there is a provision by the Holy Spirit for every area that you lack in your life. And just as the promise was that the, the Holy Spirit would come and hover over Mary and overshadow her, the same promise is true for you today, that the Holy Spirit is going to come into your world and overshadow whatever you fa find yourself in. Whatever situation of lack you find yourself in, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow it. The Holy Spirit is going to come around you. Why? Because he's the helper. He's the comforter. He's the provider. He's coming to lift your hand. When you believe that there's nothing left and there is nothing and it's the bottom of the barrel, he says, hey, mix a little bit of flour with a little bit of oil and keep it going because it's going to keep coming. Belief for the provision. And finally, possibility for the impossible. He comes to bring a possibility for the impossible. 
It's, it's impossible. It's a possible situation. Not with God. Not with God. With God, all things are possible. So he provides an answer to this. Now, the heart of response. Mary's heart response was the biggest key to this whole thing. Because she was an ordinary girl with the right heart response. In the middle of everything that we are facing, but because she responded and said, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. I don't know how you're going to do all this stuff. I don't know how this is all going to make sense. But you know what? You do. And so may it be to me according to what you've said. Her heart response. This is what God was after. He was after this heart response. God is looking for our heart response in every situation. Here's the reality. We're going to put this up. I know I'm jumping around, Larry. But this statement, I want you to to remember this here. We don't always, you can put it up because then I'll read it. Yep, there you go. We don't always get to choose our situations, but we always get to choose our responses. You don't get to choose the stuff that happens to your life. As much as you think you are in control, you're not. But you can absolutely choose your response. It was in this impossible situation, this crazy situation, that Mary, Mary said, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their homes and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors." Her heart response could not keep her worship down. In the middle of everything, she was like, she praised God. She praised God. She took her focus from here, from what the angel had just said and all the impossibility of that, and she went like this to praise the God that was still good in the middle of everything, that still had the answers in the middle of everything, that was still the provision in the middle of everything. She lifted her eyes to praise her king. But not only that, she rejoiced in her savior. She rejoiced. I think that for us as the people of God, sometimes what God wants to do is come and give us an infusion of joy in our lives. An infusion of joy that the Bible promises is our strength. So in a situation like this that is impossible and wrought with all kinds of impossibilities and questions and rejections and fear and lack and all of that kind of stuff, she still said, hey, by the way, I can rejoice in God my Savior. By the way, that's a choice. Now I'm all for in the morning when we get up and, and, and we spend our quiet time with the Lord and, and, and we, just, we just, it's quiet and, and we just read the Bible and, 
and meditate, and that's all wonderful. But sometimes we need to put Kirk Franklin on and get up and just stomp around our house and scream and have a little bit of joy in the place and let the joy stir up. Sometimes in the morning, we got to tell our spirit, you better get up and praise the Lord. Anybody else wake up in the morning? Sometimes you're like, I don't got nothing. I'm not going to praise the Lord. I got, we got to tell ourselves, listen, self, let's go. Let's rejoice in the Lord. But the circumstances say you can't. Who cares? We make a choice to rejoice in the Lord. We make a choice, a choice to say, you know what? Doggone it. This is an impossible situation. And I don't see any way that it's going to happen. And praise God. And people look at you and go, you're loony. And you say, no, I trust him. The situation can either steal that or it can actually grow that joy in you. You can allow that situation to grow in you. How many of you would say in your life right now that maybe you could just use a little bit of infusion of the joy of the Lord? Just, just raise your hand. You could use an infusion of the joy of the Lord. Okay, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Jesus, right now, I pray. Father, that you would come and infuse the joy of the Lord upon your people in the name of Jesus. God, that you would take the burden of heaviness and exchange it with your burden, which is light. And Father, that praise would well up in our hearts. And that, Father God, there would be a joy that would strengthen us. There would be a joy that would lift us up. Father, I pray that as we wake up in the morning, that we would not focus on the situation that's in front of us, but as we focus on you, you would lift our spirits. You would encourage our spirits. You would strengthen our spirits. I pray for joy for your people in the name of Jesus. Amen. Feel a little bit better already. And if you need a playlist, I'll send you a playlist. Third one, Mary acknowledged and aligned with God's perspective. She did not believe the impossibilities, the lack, the rejection. She did not align with that humble. And with what he screams into my head all day long, I'm going to align with the word of God. I'm going to align with what he speaks over my life. I'm going to align with the fact that I'm the head and not the tail, that, I go, that he goes before me, that I am a victorious champion in Christ Jesus because of what he's done. I'm going to believe that I have everything I need for life and godliness. I'm going to believe that the Holy Spirit empowers me. I'm going to align with his perspective. Mary aligned with that. And finally, Mary remembered all God had done. She recalled the history of the people of God and remembered, hey, by the way, look at everything he's done. Whenever the enemy wants to come in and try to rob your joy, steal from you, I want you to remember what God has done in your life. He's done a lot in your life. I don't always see it. I know. But what do you see? I, I was at the bottom and I had no way out. And he came and found me. And he pulled me up out of the pit. Go to that. Mary praised God. She rejoiced in her Savior. She acknowledged and aligned with God. God's perspective, and she remembered all God had done. This is, I think, a heart response that we can all be challenged and invited into. 
I'll just tell you right now, that is really nice, not always where I automatically go to. Anybody else? But I think that we can look at the example of Mary and use it as a way to kind of reshape our thinking a little bit. Okay, how many would say that out of this, there's something that grab whether you write it down? In your phone, notebook, whatever, it doesn't matter. I want you to grab a hold of it, okay? Because here's what's going to happen. And this is just the amazing way the enemy works. He will come to try to steal, to rob, to kill everything that the Lord tries to speak into your life. He will. I promise you that right now. You leave church and he starts to do that. Grab a hold of what that promise is for your life. Grab a hold of that for you. What does that look like to be able to center your life, your worship, your focus on him on? Can we do that together? Okay. Um, So our response is to choose to worship. Um. Why don't we do this? Why don't we stand? Why don't we just stand? Um, if you're here, yeah, we'll do this. If you're here and you're, you're wrestling today with either rejection, fear, lack, or impossibility, if you'd be bold enough, just raise your hand. Rejection, fear, lack, impossibility. Okay. Now just keep them up for a second. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. Just keep them up for a second. Okay, now here's what we're going to do. Um, if your hands not, I think the majority of people, their hands are up. Yeah, okay. If your hands are not up, wow, that's really tall. I couldn't see, and then I could. Now I felt really tall. Um, uh, if your hands are not up, find somebody with their hand up and just put your hand on their shoulder. I'm going to lead from the front, but I want you to find. Just move around. You can. If your hand's up, please put your, just keep your hand up for a second. Keep your hand up for a second. I'm going to lead from the front, okay? So what we're going to do is we're just going to have people come alongside you, lay hands, agree that there is something that is broken over you in this place. And I want to, I want to pray for that for you today. If there's not enough people to go around to put hands, just keep your hands up, and, and we're going to pray. All right, Jesus, right now, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come into this place, Father God, Lord, that you would break off the attack of rejection, the lie of fear, the, the crippling fact of lack and impossibility that is taken over in our lives. And Jesus, right now, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, those are broken off right now. Rejection is gone. Fear is gone. 
Lack is gone. Impossibility is gone. And Lord, we pray that right now you would exchange favor and provision. God, I pray for mental provision. Where there has been lack, I pray no more in the name of Jesus. I pray that your provision would pour out upon your people. And those of us who are facing impossible situations, I declare possibility by the power of the Holy Spirit. It has been impossible, but what has been impossible is possible for God. He is moving. He is having his way. He is, ha- he is working a miracle on your behalf. And we pray right now that there would be possibility for every situation of impossibility that we've faced. And Lord, we do right now in this place, we give you all the praise and all the worship just as Mary did. We don't look at those things. We don't look at the rejection and the fear and the lack and the impossibility. But God, right now, we turn our eyes to you. We turn our eyes to the author and the finisher of our faith, to the perfecter of our faith. We turn our eyes to the answer. We turn our eyes to the one who has provided for everything that we need. And we look to you and we worship you right now in this place. An opportunity before we finish, I always wanna do this, is to give those who are here or watching online, who maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ. And, and one of the markers of that is maybe the rejection has just demolished you. The fear, the, the lack of anything good in your life is not there. Or maybe you're at this place of you're saying, how is it possible that I could actually have a life that's full of faith and a, a life that's full of joy and a life that's full of fulfillment? Like, how is that even possible? And you're here today and you do not have a relationship with God. I want to tell you that because of the sin that we were born into, that we carry shame, fear, worry, rejection, all of these things. But I'm here to tell you today that while you are still a sinner, were a sinner, Christ came and he died for you. He died on the cross. He took your shame, your sin, your price for our sins. He already did that. And we can walk in freedom and relationship with him. If you're here today in this room or online and you have not asked Jesus into your heart and you want to do that, I want to give you just a very simple opportunity to begin that relationship with him today. Maybe you've known him before and you've walked away and you're like, yeah, I think I, think I want to give this an, another chance here. I, I see what you're saying about the goodness of God and I, I want to step into that. We're going to pray a prayer all together. We like to pray a lot because prayer is really good because it's talking to God. We're going to pray one more prayer all together as a family. If you're here and you want to give your life to Christ in the room and online, I want you to pray this prayer with all the belief in your heart. Because the Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So bow your heads, close your eyes, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I'm here today. Carried my shame. Carried my sin. Done it my way. And I'm here today to give it all to you. I surrender my life and I ask you to come to forgive me of my sins, to be the Lord of my life. I ask you to be my king and I give you my life to live for you. I believe you are the son of God. You died, you rose again, and because of that, I'm saved, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
Can we put our hands together for those that prayed that prayer for the first time today? Good stuff. How's everybody feel? Feel a little bit better? Okay. By the way, the feeling of rejection, fear, lack, and uh, impossibility doesn't go away overnight. <laughs> yeah, you. What these moments do is they begin to break things away that now the Holy Spirit can come and do a healing work in your life. It's a process. If you struggle with fear, you're not going to leave today and never wrestle with fear again. You won't. But the difference is our faith is in God who's breaking that off and who's bringing a confidence because of the Holy Spirit in our life. But it's a process. It's a process. And we can trust him in the middle of that because he's with us. He's with us. He's holding us with his victorious right hand. He will take care of us and he'll walk with us.